Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello, Serie A fam. The league starts with a bang as the Italian top flight records 3.6 goals per game in the opening weekend. But it's the men between the sticks that caught our attention. Musso, Chesney and Drakowski represent the good, the bad and the reckless, while Magnan takes his shot at fulfilling the biggest gloves of all. All that, plus the usual nonsense and a first look at the Champions League draw on this episode of Scudetto. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Scudetto, your weekly roundup of top flight Italian football. And today is exactly one year since we launched. So thank you very much if you've been listening to us all that time. Or, well, I guess any of that time, really. <laughs> anyway, uh, Serie A's back and what opening weekend it was. Hope you all enjoyed it as much as we did. We're going to be chatting about our favourite moments shortly. But first of all, Buzz, just one quick question for you before we get started. Do you know how many goals there were in Serie A this weekend? Hundreds. Not hundreds. Oh, God. Were there not like 36? I know it was the top scoring league. Is it 38? 36, I thought it was. It was 36. Um, yes. Now, listeners may not know, because I forgot to mention it last week, that we are in the Tifosi Down Under Predictions League, uh, competing with some other podcasts and Serie A Twitter people. And we've decided to take it in turns. So I, I did the predictions in the first week. I predicted there were going to be 35 goals, and I was mocked by Boaz for predicting such a high-scoring weekend. Uh, so I just wanted to highlight that. And you're up this week, Boaz, so... You'd better outperform me. Easy. Well, yeah, it might be quite easy. I actually didn't get any correct um, scores, even though I got quite a lot of results right. I think I got six out of 10 or something like that. Six or seven out of 10. Uh, I think we're solidly mid-table in the league. Um, but anyway, let's, um, let's catch up on the beers we're all drinking and what we've been up to. Uh, Kenny, how are you doing? You've been having a good week? Yeah, yeah, I've been having a, a good week. I'm actually up in uh, Perthshire this uh, this weekend was visiting my my parents so a bit of a change of bit of a change of scenery for for me but it's uh, yeah it's been it's been a good a good week and i uh, to answer the, the other part of your question i have a a beer with a, a little bit of a of a story here i've got a wild beer company pogo fruit pale um which is a pale ale with passion fruit orange and guava and the reason I've got this is because I discovered recently that it uh, is a brewery that was set up by someone that went to primary school with my brother-in-law. So it it seemed like I kind of had to bring it on the podcast, really, to to give it a go. And it's it's very nice in my in my very unbiased opinion. <laughs> it sounds very nice. Those fruits sound a much more natural combination than whatever it was I had last week. Like watermelon mango milkshake or something and uh how about you Baz? what how are you getting on i'm doing pretty well um 
having seen the Champions League draw, which I'm sure we're going to get to, I'm having one of those uh, disgusting beers I ordered in the summer. This one's a strawberry field, um, strawberry beer. Sounds lovely. It's actually not bad. I thought it was going to be sweet and um, very disgusting, but it's actually sour and very disgusting. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I mean, strawberry is somewhat of a strange flavor for a beer, but maybe not quite as strange as lobster, which is what I've got. Oh, yeah. Tell us more. Is that lobster on the cover or is it on the can or inside? I admit that I I was going to ask Kira um, to translate it for me. My finish is not really good enough to know, but I don't think there's actually lobster in it. I think it's just called a lobster beer. Um, I'll give it a sip now and tell you if I can pick up any fishy tastes. Hang on. No, it doesn't taste like lobster. False advertising. (laughs) Yeah. Should send in a complaint mm. to this brewery. What's it called? Noki and Panama. Uh, anyway, yeah, I'm not sure if I should really be drinking beer. I had my second vaccination today, but probably one or two shouldn't hurt. Anyway, uh, let's talk about the first week because I think we all enjoyed watching quite a lot of games over this weekend. Good to have fans back. We already said that there were sort of goals and cards galore. So, Kenny, what, what games did you watch? How did you find the first weekend? Yeah, I found the first weekend absolutely great. It was it was great to to be back, uh, and it was great to see fans back in in the stadium as well. Um, only only fifty percent capacity, but there was like some real atmosphere generated, and I think they were probably making up for the the year and a half that they'd been out of the grounds. Uh, to answer your question as to the games that I watched, uh, I did get a bit carried away, as uh, I think uh, both of you did as well. Uh, so I actually watched I watched three live games and then I also watched the the catch up of uh, Lazio Empoli as well um, and yeah I mean I I thought Inter looked absolutely great and I really I have to admit um, I'm really not so sure that what I said last week about Inter having going backwards is uh, is is fair um, because that they kind of they look like they're going to have all of the all of the good qualities that that Conte brought but also just like some of that Inzaghi sort of fluidity uh, in the sort of uh, counter-attacks uh, I watched Torino Atalanta and Torino very very unlucky to to only kind of well to, to come away with nothing really I mean arguably they, they would have been unlucky to come away with one point uh, and Samp Milan as well and I thought Milan looked great great as well um and yeah yeah that Lazio Empoli game that I mentioned uh yeah I mean Empoli actually I was really really impressed with I thought Empoli for a long parts of that game were were in it uh and probably more so than than the result kind of indicates and Lazio I mean perhaps took their foot off the off the pedal after kind of going in um, at 3-1 up uh, but really really entertaining game and really entertaining games all round and uh, all the highlights that I've caught up with as well look like it was uh, looks like it was just everywhere really just like lots and lots of fun and uh, so happy to have Serie A back yeah for sure I definitely definitely agree with you I also watched the extended highlights of that Lazio Empoli game uh, Empoli obviously scoring first and looking incredibly dangerous really unlucky I think, um, although Lazio closing it out in uh, impressive fashion. I'm sure Sarri will be very pleased with that. Um, how about you, Buzz? Which Kenny mentioned the Milan game. I'm sure you watched that. What did you make of Inter as well? Obviously winning in impressive fashion with uh, your old boy, Hakan Shalanoglu. Troll. 
So um, I really enjoyed the <laughs> format of it being uh, divided over three days. It uh, meant that uh, football fanatics such as ourselves could watch several games and uh, not be too absent from our families. I did watch the Inter game on uh, the first uh, day. And uh, yeah, they were very impressive, but uh, they were playing against uh, Genoa after all. And I think um, in their last seven encounters, they've always scored more than three goals. So it was hardly surprising. What was surprising perhaps was that uh, how little, how quickly they took to uh, Inzaghi's methods and um, how well the new signings kind of bedded in. So you mentioned Hakan, who scored uh, a goal, set one up and also had a goal disallowed. Uh, that will be his one good game for the next 10 games. And um, Edin Zeko himself uh, got on the score sheet. So uh, I think uh, the blue and black corner of uh, Milan will definitely be happy with that. And probably um, after a summer that felt a l- little bit desperate, maybe they'll be able to uh, kind of stick their heads up a little bit more. Yeah, and um, I'm sure you enjoyed the Milan game. So... By the, by the time the Milan game came around on Monday, I was a little bit exhausted from football. And I have to admit that um, from a narrative perspective, having seen almost every other team uh, in the Seventh uh, Sisters uh, win, I, w- I was worried that Milan may not uh, take away the three points. But fortunately, a goal after less than 10 minutes from Bohem Diaz uh, kind of settled the game and uh, Milan were able to kind of um, uh, play the game out and... They actually had a few opportunities to uh, increase the score, but uh, it just wasn't meant to be. And I, I guess Sampdoria put on a good show as well. And for a match that ended 1-0, it actually it was very spectacular and uh, fun for the neutral, I guess. Yeah, i got to pick you up there. Not not all of the other seven sisters took away three points, obviously. I said almost. Did you? Ah, sorry. But one aspect of the Milan game I did want to highlight was your new goalkeeper. I know we had to pretend that Milan didn't have a goalkeeper towards the end of last season. Um, <laughs> but you've got one again now, for sure. He, he was looking quite like a safe pair of hands, I'd say. It's, um, they're big uh, gloves to fill. And uh, obviously, Donnarumma, since he left Milan, made even a bigger name for himself in the Euro. And um, he also won the player of the tournament, I believe, so... Obviously, that was a big loss for Milan and it kind of hurts, stings still. But um, Mike Magnan uh, was uh, very impressive, as you said, particularly with his feet, where I think perhaps he's... Uh, no, not perhaps, he's definitely better than Donnarumma is. And he um, has more of a propensity to uh, kind of get out of his area, um, play outside of the box, which was something that maybe Donnarumma didn't enjoy as much. That's not to say that Donnarumma is not the, probably going to be the best keeper uh, in the world in a few years to come but for now I, I'm very happy with uh, the new number one yeah and, and let's stick on goalkeepers for a minute shall we Kenny because uh, yeah. it seems like they really were sort of at the heart of the action of the weekend obviously Atalanta's Musso made his debut um, yeah letting a, a deflected goal which I think it would be difficult to blame him for but other than that he looked again very impressive didn't he yeah, I, I mean, yeah, goalkeepers probably were the one of the big themes. I mean, we've already mentioned, I think, the goals, uh, but probably if we talk about the the cards as well, the the red cards and the yellow cards. Probably after those two, the goalkeepers were probably the the next talking point. And Musso was, I mean, he he was great. I, it was no surprise to people who obviously like us who, who watch Serie A because he he looked great for for Udinese as well. Uh, but he just 
he, he just has uh, you could just see how commanding he is uh, and how solid he, he looks um, just like a number of times where he, simple things just like really like holding on to holding on to the ball when you, you might expect other keepers to kind of palm it away and just like really having kind of a command of his area I thought he was great probably Atalanta's best player Atalanta were were disappointing on the whole but Musa looked uh, looked great on the other hand, there's the flip side of the coin is uh, Wojciech Szczesny uh, at Juve who had an absolute nightmare giving away a, a, a ridiculous penalty and then doing a few Cruyff turns in his own uh, six-yard box. So, yeah, goalkeeper is very, very much the theme of the weekend, I think. Yeah, you do love to see it, don't you? Especially former Arsenal goalkeepers. Um, <laughs> but that's sort of beside the point. Um while we're on goalkeepers, we have to mention Drakowski in the uh, Roman Fiorentina game, getting himself sent off very early, bringing down, coming flying out of his box and bringing down Tammy Abraham. What did we make of this one? It was obviously a, a reckless decision, but should it have been a red card? What do you think, Kenny? I think Boaz and I disagree on on this one. Um, for for me, it was a very harsh. To put it lightly, I think it's a very harsh red card. I think it was never a red card. Uh, if I'm completely honest, because I mean the rule is the rule under which he was sent off is denying a clear goal scoring opportunity. That the last man foul disappeared from football quite quite a while ago, and if you look at the the touch that uh, Abraham takes, the, I think it's very. Uh, <laughs> I, I I think it's debatable whether he would have had a goal scoring chance from a tight angle. It's debatable whether he would have had a a slight goal scoring chance. You obviously highlighted uh, before we started recording, Oscar, just his pace and that he probably would have got to the ball. But he's going to be somewhere in or around the corner flag by the time he does get to it. And to to say that it's a clear goal-scoring opportunity from there, I mean, undoubtedly a reckless exit, but I mean, I think it's a yellow. I, I really don't see that there's grounds to send him off for that. And I think Boaz pointed to an Atalanta foul in the Champions League where uh, was it Golini or Sportiello? I can't even remember who was in goal, but it does have echoes of that to me. I, I just, I, I think more exaggerated in this case. I don't think there is any way that that's a clear goal scoring opportunity. Did you want to weigh in on that, Buzz? First of all, I have to say that um, this game between Roma and Fiorentina was uh, most probably the most entertaining game of the weekend. Uh, two teams with new managers and new styles of play, and this. There was a reason why we highlighted it as our uh, game of the week, and it, it really uh, paid dividends. It was fa- fantastic, and uh, a lot of goal-scoring opportunities from both. I think that um, the keeper in this case, he he gives what Kenny is saying is all very logical and makes a lot of sense. But I think that uh, a referee, when he's uh, refereeing in the in the spirit of the moment, and there's adrenaline and things are going a bit wild that, that he doesn't start thinking about the mathematics of where exactly what this player was he ending up but, where but that's was what he, far where was the, for, right? where was the ball was going to i think the the challenge is a little very reckless it's uh he does hit his leg and um ultimately i think he's only got himself to blame for giving the referee that uh, decision to make yeah well i think we can definitely agree that tammy abraham had an unbelievably good debut uh Obviously, setting up a goal minutes oh, yeah. later for Henrik Mkhitaryan. Absolutely. Um, yeah. I, I don't think they're going to miss Jekyll at all, to be honest. And 
and it's uh, he has a he's come with a big price tag. Right now, he's the biggest transfer in in Serie. A. So um, and also he he was he's been in quarantine for his entire time in Rome, so he hasn't even seen Trigoria. That was more or less the first time he met his teammates, and what what an impact he had! First of all, his size is uh, his. I didn't know he was that tall. He already when he get when he hit the bar with that header, that was super impressive because the ball he he really jumped into the sky, Ronaldo esque. But also um, his pace was phenomenal. On two occasions, uh, he set up goals that for some reason VAR held up for several minutes. But uh, the commentators on the on the channel I was watching it were saying that. The more VAR were holding it up, the the more chances were that they would uh, validate the goal. So um, overall, what a great debut he had! Yeah, I really enjoyed watching that game, and I was just thinking all the way through, like, oh, Roma could be really exciting to watch this season, but you just kind of know that it's doomed to all end in tears. <laughs> you um, think Jose will beat that out of them? To be fair, they had uh, of the seven sisters that we mentioned earlier. They they were team with the highest xg in their game they had a 2.75 xg i mean it's it's not very Mourinho-esque, but uh, stranger things have happened indeed anyway let's talk about competition that they won't be taking part in because the champions league draw was made shortly before we started recording which is contributing to your unhappy mood perhaps Boaz. let's, let's just say with... i have uh, free beers lined up here already <laughs> <laughs> should we start with group b then atletico madrid liverpool porto AC Milan, wowzers, woof. Yeah, yes. Yeah, How tough. do you rate Milan's chances of coming through that one? I mean, I think that's uh, probably as tough a group as uh, Milan could have had in this Champions League. Um, there's uh, two past champions in there. Of course, uh, this is where I quickly point out that Milan are the club with the second most uh, Champions League trophies in, in the competition. So three past champions in that in that case. Well, there is two past champions and Mil- and Milan and right. of course Atletico Madrid have featured in in finals and are the current Spanish champions and yeah. the way things are going over there there there's no reason why they won't win the liga again this year so it's a super tough group and um obviously I was hoping for better uh, I think I this is going to sound a, a little bit blasphemous but maybe Milan should take a leaf out of uh, Antonio Conte's uh, Inter book and drop out of the Champions League early and concentrate on uh, putting it all into the league and uh, trying to capitalize on uh, the other teams playing in Europe. I, I think that's maybe a little bit grandiose. And no. there's, there's a lot of forward thinking there. Um, but but I, I'd just be happy with um, not completely losing faith. Let's, put, let's yeah. put it that way. On the plus side, we do have Scudetto correspondence embedded with each, within each of those teams. <laughs> we've obviously got Hector Atletico. We've got Jesse at Liverpool. And uh, we got Vivaldo at Porto, so looking forward to some lovely stuff, exciting scouting reports, and keeping up with the Italians. And all, yeah, it's they're great cities to visit, and I'm sure there's a lot of uh, funny stats I can pull out of the internet five minutes before we record. Guys, <laughs> <laughs> don't give away the process, man. Come on. Uh, Kenny, maybe we'll do Group F next, uh, okay? Because you should be probably a little bit happier with the draw than Baz. Group F, Villarreal, Man United, Atalanta, and uh, Baez's favourite Swiss team, Young Boys. Young Boys! <laughs> um, I mean, happier, I'm not sure. It's a, it's a tough group. I think Atalanta will do very well to come out of that group. Uh, Villarreal, obviously, are the reigning Europa League champions. Man United are, are Man United. Um, so, I mean, 
I, I think someone who will be happy will be Moreno, because, uh, or, or rather, someone people who will be happy will be United because they'll have a chance to to get back at Moreno after his uh, social media gloating at the expense of United, um, trying to curry favor with Liverpool fans. Um, but I mean, Atalanta have been Atalanta have never been in the top two pots of uh, the Champions League groups they've been in, and they've come through in the last two occasions. So I I don't write the, I don't write them off at all, but I think that they it, I I don't think that's an easy draw at all. But it's not as uh, not as tough a group as as Milan's, but certainly not the easiest group that uh, has come out of the hat. Yeah, I, I make them favourites to get out of that group, but um, you're obviously slightly more emotionally invested in it than me. Perhaps uh, but, right. Let's also talk about Group D uh, because Inter have drawn Real Madrid. Uh, Roberto De Gerbi's Shakhtar Donetsk and uh, Sheriff Tiraspol. Perhaps not such a bad draw for them. Um, but as based on their performance against Genoa, they should certainly make it out of that group. Any early thoughts? I think probably um, Sheriff and Shakhtar are slightly unknown quantities in this Champions League, although um, Shakhtar at least give us the, the Zerbi link, so it'll be nice yeah. to kind of uh, cover them. But uh, and Real Madrid are in kind of a rebuilding process. Although uh, by all accounts they're about to sign Mbappe, so um, yeah. who knows? But uh, Inter should finish second in that group and uh, uh, finally uh, kill their Champions League demons from last year. Yeah, we could have said the same. I think we probably did say the same last year, though. But Inter as well. I think though, if you looked at what I, it's tough for me to say this as a Milanista, but. If you looked at the individual games that Inter played in the group stage last year, they they were probably good enough to qualify. They had a, a few um, yeah, let's, Vidal moments, let's call them. So um, yeah, yeah. Um, and this group is easier. And then Group H is uh, Juventus's group. They've got Chelsea, the reigning champions, obviously Zenit Saint Petersburg and Malmo. And all I've really got to say about that group is I could probably get to a couple of the away fixtures on a ferry from here. <laughs> so maybe I will. <laughs> nice. Live report. Any uh, serious analysis from your review two on that draw? The only thing I have to say is that uh, Allegri has, a, an, he has an open account with the Champions League, having lost the final on two occasions. So um, I think that he especially will want to put 100% into this and particularly considering how um, ridiculous the last few exits for the club have been from Europe's premier competition. I think uh, Juve will be putting some special focus on the Champions League this year. Yeah, and it'll be interesting to see if uh, Ronaldo ends up competing in that competition with them this season. We obviously discussed his social media antics last week and it's been reported that uh, Mendes has been visiting the HQ. Ronaldo allegedly refusing to start the weekend reports that he might be on his way to City so I guess we just have to wait and see how that one plays out Juve have also their new signing Kyle Jorge is injured for a month so that's uh, enough Juve news let's round up what's going on elsewhere in the best of the rest section uh, Buzz's favourite goalkeeper Donnarumma still yet to start at PSG was asked about Kayla Navas the quote I respect Kayla Navas but I'm here to play we'll see how that one turns out Following Kievo's expulsion from the league, their former star striker Sergio Pellicer plans to start a Kievo Phoenix club. Inter have spent the Lukaku slash Hakimi oil money on Correa. <laughs> or some of so it. So overall, 
some yeah overall up to 140 million in transfers i assume they've still got quite a large debt pile as well but that's quite impressive yeah 140 million outgoing right no they have they're 140 in in the green from their transfer activity this summer although uh, as um marcotti said this week um inzaghi is not necessarily an upgrade on uh, on conte Dumfries is definitely not an upgrade on Hakimi, and Zeko is not an upgrade on Lukaku. So, um, I mean, it's it's been that's what it's not my quote, but I I definitely agree. But you, if you were playing football manager and you made 140 million in the summer, you'd be very happy. Yeah, that's definitely true. Uh, and on Empoli, who we we mentioned, were very impressive against Lazio. They've got Pinamonte on loan from Inter. In other transfer news, Atalanta reportedly trying to buy Berardi, and they've already signed Zappa Costa, which is kicking off a bit of a war with Camuso. Torreira has moved from Arsenal to Fiorentina. And on the theme of Fiorentina signing Spanish-speaking players, they've also signed Odrizola from Madrid, uh, while Milan have signed former Wizkid Pellegri from his Monaco exile. And on the topic of promising strikers, Giovanni Simeone has moved from Cagliari to Hellas Verona. Uh, so that does it for the best of the rest roundup. Buzz, it's time for keeping up with the Italians. I should have like an artificial drum roll here. But anyway, uh, I'm going to keep it real quick today because it's a super long episode. But um, first of all, I wanted to mention Davide Petrucci, who was once uh, supposed to be the next Totti in Rome. And he was very highly rated. He was like their top goal scorer in a youth level. And he was poached from uh, by Man United. Uh, he was poached by Man United reserves and uh, kind of his career kind of saw him meandering through Europe. He's currently playing in Israel for Apoel Beersheva and he scored a winning goal in the penalty shootout in the cup semi-final. So good luck to him with that. Uh, Vincenzo Grifo, who is in uh, Mancini's uh, extended squad for the Euro, scored a wonderful free kick that stunned uh, Dortmund in a 2-1 win against them. And uh, we mentioned earlier that Shakhtar Donetsk's uh, qualified for the Champions League. And uh, lastly, uh, our boy Golini, the best rapper in London right now, uh, managed to keep a clean sheet in Europe for Tottenham this week. Yeah, um, former Atalanta centre-back Christian Romero also played. It's not strictly for keeping up the Italian section. Keeping up with uh, the X sort of Italians. Yeah, but it's a, a clean sheet for him as well. Obviously, another chance to actually see that game, so I don't think it was on TV. But... Um, Sounds like they played quite well. Um, anyway, let's do good week, bad week. Let's. I think there's only one candidate for bad week, really. Um, we mentioned earlier that only one of the seven sisters dropped points. It's, it's got to be Juventus for bad week, really. I, I think it does. Uh, not only the fact that Juve were the only team to drop points, but they dropped a two-goal lead, and I think that's a slam dunk. And uh, even Fiorentina and Torino, who lost their games, actually were quite impressive in their play, so... Uh... Juventus, despite not losing, was still made the figura di merda. <laughs> Great. Well, that's sorted then. Uh, good weeks, perhaps a little bit more difficult. Plenty of exciting performances. Boaz, how do you feel about giving it to Inter? It has to be between uh, Roma and Inter, but uh, Inter with their um, swashbuckling victory probably just pip it. Particularly because I, I was mentioning those XG stats earlier, and they did score four goals, but their XG was just 2.2, so... They went above and beyond in this game, and hopefully they'll, they'll run out of gas eventually. But uh, for now, great, it's a great start for the Nerazzurri. Yeah, I mean, if Saniolo had not got himself sent off, maybe Roma could have won by four or five, and then 
we could be talking about them for a good week, but I'm afraid they just haven't stepped up to the plate. So it's got to go to Inter, really, hasn't it? I think, yeah, especially Inter were probably a bigger surprise overall. Uh, everyone was expecting them to probably win the game, but to play so convincingly was uh, definitely a bonus. Right. Well, I think that is all we've got time for. Let's just have a few quick honourables and dishonourables before we wrap up. Uh, Kenny, on this podcast, you know you're not allowed to give dishonourables to referees, <laughs> but I will allow you to give an honourable. I, I have done so in the past, nevertheless, given dishonourables to, to referees. But yes, this is an honourable well, to look up. You are subject to disciplinary action in that case, if you remember. <laughs> yes. Uh, but uh, yes, in this case, I'm giving an honourable to uh, Luca Pairetto, who was the referee in the Roma-Fiorentina game. I'm giving an honourable to him for the way that he awarded uh, VAR goals. And um, I, I, we see a lot of referees who like to be the centre of attention when they're brandishing cards. But Pairetto has discovered a way in what you described, Oscar, as a, a Power Ranger move. To me, it looks like a, almost like a double fist bump in awarding the goal after the VAR. Uh, I, I really recommend that anyone goes and checks it out on uh, on YouTube in the City A channel because it's really quite comical. And he, he did it for the first uh, Roma VAR goal that he awarded and then replicated it um, afterwards for, for the second, uh, well, for, for the third, I think it was, Roma goal. But the question I have is, has he been standing in, at home in front of the mirror practising this move, basically? <laughs> Yeah, it was truly glorious. Definitely check that out. Um, I've got an honourable from that game as well, which is uh, for the Roma women's team who were parading the Coppa Italia that they won at half time, And it was very well received by the crowd. So that's an honourable for them too. And next up, Kenny, you've got an honourable for a manager. Yeah, one more for Stefano Piali here. I'm going to keep it brief. Uh, just basically the fact that he stayed very, very positive uh, in his pro- post-match uh, press conference, you can kind of, yeah, you can point to the departures of Donnarumma and Celanoglu, um, two that went on a, on a free transfer. But he was asked about the, uh, I think about the players that left, and he basically gave like just like all the the best possible answer that he could have done, which was basically saying like we don't lament the departures at all. We've got like a great group of guys here. Um, and I think pre- previous to that as well, in another press conference, he had discussed how like mature players. Um, like Tonali and Leao, I think it was, Boaz had, had mentioned to us, um, were when they came back for preseason training. And I think that was very, very obvious. I thought that the youngsters in the Milan team, uh, Diaz, Boaz already mentioned, Leao and uh, Tonali um, in particular, looked absolutely fantastic in, uh, in in that game. So yeah, honourable to Pioli just for, I mean, he, he seems to just have this really positive outlook, which I think uh, kind of reflects in the kind of... Uh, the, the confidence that his, his young players have. Did Bars put you up to that one? Or did you... <laughs> no, that was, that was all of my making. I would okay. never. Uh, Boaz, you've got your customary social media, honourable and dishonourable, so take it away. So first of all, I wanted to give uh, honourable for uh, Serie C club Viterbese, who announced their uh, match day squad uh, for the weekend game with um, some retro gaming uh graphics it's very cool and kind of uh the only thing that was missing is they should have probably misnamed the the players a little bit with like random z's and c's like the the old pest games used to do but overall winning and leaving it staying in the social media realm i've got to give a dishonorable mention to serie cheese albia 
who uh, posted a picture of some guy with his suitcases stepping out of the gate in, in the airport. And it had like a, a circle around it that was done on like an iPhone. And just to, just, as if the circle wasn't enough, there was also an arrow done again by hand on the circle. And, and the tweet was, this is our new signing from Bologna on loan. And come on, guys, just bring him to the training ground and take a normal picture. What is this? <laughs> Pick him out of the crowd. That's brilliant. Uh, okay. And Kenny, you've got your goals honorables to do. Yes, yes, of course. Um, so this week I'm giving goals honourables to uh, Atalanta's Muriel and Inter's Chalanoglu for, I mean, they're very different goals, but both the kind of spectacular um, long-range efforts from outside the box. Uh, and one for Verona Zaccagni as well. Uh, I think we're kind of running short on time, so I'm not going to go through descriptions of these, but absolutely go and check them out on, uh, on Serie A's YouTube channel. Maybe we'll tweet them out. Yeah. And staying on the goals... Um... I have to quickly interject. This wasn't on the sheet originally, but uh, um, this guy called Sibili scored a goal for Pisa after 33 seconds and uh, Pisa went on to win 1-0. So this was kind of the moment of the Serie B for this uh, weekend. Nice. Well, if you're going to have an extra goals on the roll, then so am I. I'm going to give one to Sassuolo's Traore for a lovely little dink. Kenny, everyone's stealing your shtick. <laughs> uh-huh. And then I'm going to go straight to a dishonorable for Juventus' kit to know what they're playing at. Won't dwell on it as we're running out of time, but <laughs> it's almost as bad as the Lazio one from last season. This is Juve's uh, third kit, isn't it? Y- yeah, yeah, it's the third kit. It's disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us what you really think. <laughs> but but let's move on. Baz, you've got an uh, honourable. Spare thought for uh, Matteo Ricci, who back in March was part of uh, one of uh, Roberto Mancini's extended... Uh, Italy squad and squads and was uh, supposed to feature. He's uh, been without the club since uh, Spezia released him from his contract. And uh, while he was hoping to sign for a new Serie A club, it now looks like uh, the transfer window is going to pass him by. And it's kind of a shame because he was very promising last season and had Spezia not changed ownership, most chances are he would have gotten a new contract. And I've got an honourable for Vettu and Teo Hernandez showing the strength of Serie A by getting their first ever France call-ups. About time. Yeah, exactly. Um, and something else that demonstrates the strength, not of Serie A necessarily, but Italian football, Kenny. What's, yeah. You've got an honourable. Yeah, well, Chelsea's, Chelsea's Jorginho, but the Azzurri's uh, Jorginho for, for being awarded man of the, or, or player of the year, male player of the, of the year. Um, I, I don't think... Man of they, the year. Yeah, I don't think they've got to awarding Man of the Year yet, but Male Player of, of the Year <laughs> award for, for Jorginho. And I think um, perhaps Antonio Cassano will have a few words to, to say about this one. <laughs> and finally, Baz, we end on a sad and not at all comical note. Former uh, Serie A bruiser and uh, kind of uh, midfield maestro Rajan Angolan was uh, signed by Antwerp this season and... Uh, one of his first quotes when he signed was uh, also in terms of mentality. I'm here to teach the young guy, the young players how to behave. And uh, 15 days later, he's been caught drink driving and uh, has his uh, he's had his driver's license revoked. Um, so il, the, in Italy, you say il lupo perde il pelo, ma non il vizio. I don't know how you would translate that into English, but essentially, Raj is up to his old tricks. The wolf loses its uh, its coat, but not its vice. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't translate. But you must have a similar idiom. Either way, <laughs> Raja, 
naughty naughty yeah i enjoyed his uh making fun of ronaldo on instagram during the euros but can't really support him on this one can we um anyway that is all we've got time for this week if you don't already please do subscribe to our podcast on spotify or apple Podcasts or wherever you get your audio thanks very much for listening we'll speak to you next week until then enjoy the football La Roma è campione d'Italia per la stagione 2000-2008. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.